Last Sunday morning, after we concluded this service, and everybody left, Angie and myself had lunch here, and we, after we had locked the front door, she was in the kitchen, and I walked by those three tables in the back, and I got to that middle of that middle table, and the Lord stopped me. And he said, next Sunday morning, he said, I don't want you to refer to the parable of the, the ten virgins. He said, but I want you to preach about those, about that parable. And so I went home like I always do. And I began to watch another message. And the message was on the 25th chapter of Matthew, which is the parable of the ten virgins. And it's a great message that I listened to. But even more than the great message that I heard is what I've heard the Spirit of the Lord say since Sunday at that middle table before I ate lunch. And that is that the Lord is preparing the bride to go home. And the bride has to understand that God is in deep, heavy preparation mode. And I'm afraid that only the bride is going to see and hear and understand this. So today, we're going to go to Matthew 25. And if you do have a Bible, I'm going to ask you to turn there. And you know, a few weeks ago or a couple of months ago, we were at the school one day, Reggie and myself, and I've said this before, but I was just kind of uh, having those Monday, uh, the Monday mole as I call it, and it slipped out while I was with him. And he said, Opie, he says, all you can do is prepare and pray and preach. He said, you can't help what other people do with it. He said, that's all you can do. And I know that and I've heard that, but that day, that helped get me on a different level that I need to be on right now. Because when you preach, and then you just know how people hear things or what people say or how they interpret things. What you don't understand is harder to preach these things sometimes than it is to sit there and hear these things. Because you know all that and that tries its best to play a role on you. So I don't... I don't ever want to come behind this pulpit and you not think that I don't need your prayers and I need them right now. Because I believe the Lord is soon to come. And so, on Wednesday nights and Sundays, I ask you about your Bible. And that's all I can do. I can ask you to get a Bible, read a Bible, have a Bible. 
or open the Bible app on your phone. But at the end of the day, if, it, if, it's, not, if it's not a conviction or a necessity of yours, I'm taking that advice that was given to me right outside the front door of that school. See, when things make an impression on me, they stick with me. I can't remember what Angie told me to get at the store five minutes after I left. But when God moves on me, I I can remember that, like I remember that table last week. So that's all I can do. At this point in prophecy, I ask you to have a Bible or to have an app, do something. You, 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 it's got to have a place in your walk or you're going to be upset one day with yourself. So we're going to turn in whatever means you have to the 25th chapter of Matthew and we're going to read this whole parable together. Then the kingdom of heaven, Jesus is teaching, he said, shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard, Behold! I need to read that first part again. At midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you. But go, rather, to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came, also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, Assuredly, be assured, rest assured, I say to you, I don't know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. When Jesus spoke these words, there was said to be a custom. When a a young bride was engaged and she was about to be married to her fiancé, right around the day of the wedding, close to it, at midnight, all of the bridesmaids, along with the brides, and they believed that there were ten. When, and you see this a few times in the Bible, when Boaz was married to Ruth, there was ten witnesses, and there's There's other times in the Bible where there are similar references to this number of ten. Anytime there was a consecration, whether it be circumcision or some other act in the Old Testament, there would always be at least ten 
Jews to be part of that ceremony. And these ladies, young ladies, would go out and they would have lamps because the bridegroom and some of his friends, it was a custom to come right around midnight to go meet the bride so there could be like a, a pre-celebration before. And it was kind of a way of, of all of the wedding party coming together before the actual ceremony because you know what happens on the day of the ceremony concerning the bride being seen by the groom. So unlike us, they didn't have street lights and all. So these uh, groomsmen along with the groom would come from afar and all of these ladies along with the bride would come out and they would light the way to the correct house where the bride was located and where she lived. And if she didn't do this, a lot of things could kind of be said without saying, well, number one, she must not really be a serious about getting married or maybe she didn't care enough to prepare to make sure she had oil so that I could see and not go to the wrong house. So there's all kind of scenarios that possibly could have happened and no doubt at some point did happen when the bride and her bridesmaid didn't understand what they needed to do. In some cases, if knowing the day was approaching, if she knew that not only will we not have enough oil if he doesn't get here around midnight and he gets delayed and it's over, way over in the wee hours of the morning, she didn't have oil in the house or maybe nobody else had oil to sell or to loan her that would last and the candles or the light would go out required that they would go for miles around and go locate this oil that can be used for the lamp because the last thing that the bride didn't want to happen and that was for her husband-to-be to think that she didn't love him. So she knew the day was coming. She knew that that custom had been played out many times. She'd probably seen relatives and neighbors and, and other family members uh, from afar off do the same thing. And so way ahead of time, there not only had to be lamps in the house, but there had to be a lot of legwork to ensure there was plenty of oil to last so that the groom made it there because she wanted to make sure she was the one that was going to be by his side for the rest of her life. And I want to tell you, they had to make sure that the lights were lit, the lights were ready, and there were plenty of oil to last as long as it took in case he tarried his coming. And can I tell all of you this morning that I don't think this is a coincidence at all that we are called children of the light? I don't think that Caitlin's favorite Bible verse that I put on her windshield when she was 16 years old, Matthew 5, 16, was just something that the Lord Jesus mentioned. Let your light so shine before men 
that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So light is a very important part of our walk with the Lord. And it's not just an important part of our walk with the Lord. It's an extremely important part of our going home to be with the Lord. In fact, many people are suffering today unaware that not only is their lamp or light out, but they have no type of replenishment in place for oil. They've gotten used to religion. Church is something that I know like I do my name. I know how long church is going to last, some people can say, in some places. I know how many songs we're going to sing. I know if I'm going to have family devotions this week or not. I know whether or not I'm really going to have a long time with myself and God. You see, a lot of this is missing. So a lot of lights are not shining now. And a lot of the harvest is not being reaped. And what do you think is going to happen when the husband of our souls shows up? The light's going to be out. I don't think when the announcement is made, and by the way, the announcement has been screamed loud from heaven ever since at least March of this year for a lot of people. And I'll tell you this, and I won't dignify this week, but I will tell you it's getting louder and louder. It's getting louder and louder. So, sincere Christians are the wise virgins. The Bible tells us, and here we go, and this is Jesus' language, and the ones that didn't think enough to have the supply to pay attention ahead of time are the ones, the five foolish ones. The Lord Jesus refers to them more than one time as hypocrites. He talks about wise builders and unwise builders, and in the same sentence, he is trying to send the same message that the wise ones are the ones that prepare ahead of time. The hypocrites are the ones that's trying to ride in on how they used to live or to how they used to serve God. That's what the Lord said. In the tabernacle, in the Old Testament, you remember a year or so ago, we had a mock tabernacle right above my head that came down and we rearranged the seating in here and we spent a whole series on the tabernacle. One thing we talked about is that there was one person's job 24-7 that oil had to be always readily available because the light always had to be shining inside of the tabernacle because when a priest was going in to approach the Holy of Holies, he didn't want to get that far having to wait 12 months. He didn't want to get that far and not be able to experience God himself. And if somebody fell asleep or somebody says, oh, there's enough, or oh, I paid my tithes last week, or oh, I went to church, or oh, I just watch it online when I can, I do what I can. If they did that, then the light was going to go out. God would not be heard from man. Sins would go unforgiven that year. And then the priest would have to wait a whole another 12 months. Even though he did all his work right, one person in charge of the oil just thinks it wasn't that big of a deal. And folks, I'm stopping again to tell you out of love, a lot of people have to wake up right now. 
People that think you're not asleep, you are the ones that has to wake up. Those of you that's repented this week of everything from pride to yourself to not, not having your first love be God, if you've talked more about things that have gone on this week, again, I'm not dignifying anything then you have the Lord Jesus Christ, the song we just sang for a long time to speak the name of Jesus. If that has not been your song this week, it's you. It's really you. It's not your brother or sister. It's you and it's me. And we have to understand that when we don't do the work, when we don't hunger and thirst after righteousness, when we don't say, God, fill me, I need to be filled with the Spirit so I can discern, so I can know the season and the day and the time I'm living in. Lord, when we don't do that, when we don't occupy because He is coming until He comes, then we have no oil. The joy of the Lord is not our strength. We have joy coming in from something else, but it's not giving us strength. It's giving us stress, and it's giving us heartache, and it's giving us worry, and it's giving us fear. If you don't have joy that comes from God this morning, and you have one of those other things, it's because you have not been going before God, and I haven't neither. So, when there's no oil... There's not going to be a light and there's going to be somebody that's on the other side of the door when the trumpet sounds. And a lot of people are going to be on that side of the door that said, but God, I cast out demons in your name. But God, I spoke in tongues. But God, what about the money I gave? God, what about the 30 years I served you doing this? And we can't imagine these words being real today because we have modern religion and television to tell us everything's okay and everything's covered just business as usual. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. And this is what's the hardest part of this whole statement. I never knew you. I never knew you. When is he coming? A lot of people wonder. Or why hasn't he come? I want to explain something fast to you. And that's simply that You've got to understand, along with people getting saved, the church, the harvest, has to be right. A lot of us, a lot of Christians in the world, we are identified as fruit. We are identified as the harvest. Thank you, Holy Ghost. But we are not right, you see. But I'm saved, Opie. You're not ripe. I didn't say right. I said right. You're not ripe. You're not ready for the Lord to be enjoyed. You're not ready to be enjoyed by the Lord, brethren. You say, well, I'm a fruit. Shouldn't I qualify? Shouldn't, shouldn't that be enough? No. Nope. The harvest is not ripe, see. Only God knows when it's going to be at peak harvest. Only God knows when. Okay, they got serious that Sunday. They began to weep, tear their clothes, sell stuff, get their minds on me, not care about what my word has more weight than what they hear on TV. And that's a big hurdle a lot of people's got to, you're going to have to come to grips with. And I love you enough and I'm a... I'm fearful enough of God not to say this, 
But a lot of you, if you would believe God, I'm telling you, a lot of people I know, or, or some people I know, because they've had underlying conditions, have died from the coronavirus. More people are going to die with underlying conditions from the coronavirus. But every bit of information that everybody in this sanctuary has, and those of you outside of this sanctuary and all across this country, everything that you are going on, everything you are going on, you are basing it on not what Bible says, but you are basing it on what the world has told you. Have you not seen this week what the world is capable of doing? Have you not noticed and understood that the world doesn't have any limits they won't cross. Do y'all understand this? And I'm not making a political statement right now. I'm talking to you today from a spiritual standpoint. You've got to understand there's a way to be careful and not be fearful. I'm telling you that because I got a little clip that I would have showed you today, but if I show it to you today, you're not going to pay attention to anything else. So maybe I'll show you. And it's talking about the next, the next virus that's going to do what the first one did. People, and I'm quoting the person almost, I won't call his name, but you will know his name because he's known all across, across the globe. But the next virus will get everybody's attention. I quote this man. I quote him. The next virus. So you know there's going to be another virus. So why did I bring that up right now? I brought that up because the more you're going to keep feeding yourself from out there, and some of this is truth. I believe what he says. I believe what he says. But you've got to understand, your job is not to stay safe from the coronavirus. Did you hear what I just told you? That's not what should consume you. I'm not saying don't wear a mask if that's your thing. I'm not telling you not to stay apart and stay out of crowds. I'd stay out of crowds anyway. People are nasty these days. Amen? All you got to do is clean the church bathrooms one week. I would I stay out of crowds. I'm telling you that you need to be prepared for the trumpet to sound, folks. You need to understand that it's coming and it's going to come just like he said, in a day, in an hour, at a time when you think not, when I think not. He's going to come. He's going to come. Along with studying a lot of this this week, and before I share something with you, because what I just said might be disturbing to a lot of people who have adopted this as a religion. And can I say this, and I know Derek Cole won't mind me saying this, but there's not, in my, to my knowledge, there's not a person with any more than a zero immune system in this sanctuary now or that attends this church that I know of that is not, that's living with multiple sclerosis, that 
can catch anything. Right? Coronavirus is it's in with everything else. But do you know that he has been faithful inside this place since March the 14th or whatever the day was? If it can be everywhere it can be, that man up there would have got it and probably died from it. So what am I telling you? And I know because, see, what I'm fighting against, you are so groomed, you don't even know you're groomed. And you don't know what's about to happen to make you think you've got to do everything from take a vaccine and all this. It's coming, folks. It is coming. And this is why my heart is all over the place this morning because I know that if, if your mind's on that stuff, there's more of it coming. Get ready. It's coming. What did I tell you? What did the Lord tell you two weeks ago behind this pulpit concerning the election? And it may not be over, I understand that, but you've got to understand what's been going on this week is not about a man or a party. It's about prophecy that is being fulfilled and we've got to have certain little cars to take us to certain little places and moments in prophecy so the next thing can happen. And you see what I'm telling you all throughout God's Word. People were raised and brought down for certain times and for certain seasons to move on all the way until the Messiah showed up on the scene. And then there were people in place, listen to me, then there were people in place then called scribes and Pharisees and religious rulers and leaders to make sure that the king of kings was killed even before he was born. Can you all hear me today? Because I'm telling you, it's harder to preach it than it is to sit there and hear it today. And we've got to be ready because the trumpet's going to sound. And if we're so busy that we're not putting oil in our lamps, somebody's going to miss it, folks. Somebody's going to miss it. And you're going to have that but God conversation one day when he says, talk to the hand. So that's why he sent me with this today. I'm going to read a little section, and you're going to have to bear with me, okay? I, I can't even remember. It's in the 16 or 1700s when Matthew Henry's commentary was written, I think. So we're talking about 300 years, a long time ago, some, somewhere around that time. But, but concerning this parable, I want to read you his words. These are a few hundred years ago, okay? Here we go. Too many good Christians, when they have been long in profession, grow remiss in their preparations for Christ's second coming. Uh, they intermit their care, abate their zeal, their graces are not lively, nor their works found perfect before God. And though all love be not lost, yet the first love is left. If it was hard to the disciples to watch with Christ an hour, much more to watch with him an age. Amen. I sleep, saith the spouse, but my heart awakes. Christ's coming will be at our midnight when we least look for him and are most disposed to take our rest. It was at midnight the firstborn of Egypt were destroyed and Israel delivered. Death often comes when it's least expected. 
the soul is required at night. His first coming was with not uh, his first coming was not with any observation at all. Nor did they say, "Lo, here is Christ," or "Lo, he is there." He was in the world, and the world knew him not. But his second coming will be with the observation of the whole world. Every eye shall see him. It will be a day of search and inquiry, and it concerns us who think how we should be found then. When we see the day approaching, we must address ourselves to our dying work with all seriousness, renewing our repentance for sin, our consent to the covenant, our farewells to the world, and our souls must be carried out toward God in suitable breathings. The foolish versions, this is what they said, their lamps are gone out. The lamps of hypocrites often go out in this life when they who have begun in the spirit end in the flesh and the hypocrisy breaks out in an open apostasy. The day is coming. He says, note this, that the day is coming when carnal hypocrites would gladly be found in the condition of true Christians. Those who now hate the strictness of religion will at death and judgment wish for the solid comforts of it. Those who care not to live this life would die the death of the righteous. The day is coming when those who now look with contempt upon the humble contrite saints would gladly get an interest in them and would value those as their best friends and benefactors whom they now set with the dogs of their flock. Give us of your oil, that is, speak a good word for us. So some, but there is no occasion for vouchers in the great day. The judge knows what is every man's true character, but is, but is it not well that they are brought to say, give us of your oil? I said that. This request was exhorted by sensible necessity. Those who will see their need of grace hereafter when it should save them, who will not see their need of grace now in this time. But there is no buying when the market is over, no bidding when the inch of the candle is dropped. O great day of the Lord. He says this, Our great duty is to watch, to attend to the business of our soul with the utmost diligence and circumspection. Be awake and be watchful. Now that wasn't somebody on the internet a week ago that just did a little paper on this sermon. This is something, a, a study that a lot of people use. And this was written, like I said, two or three hundred years ago. And if I didn't read you this week, this year, this 2020, then, then everything will get by you and has gotten by you. And the Bible says in Matthew 7, 21, a very familiar passage of Scripture. And that's simply not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. You know what the word doeth means there? The word doeth means this right here. To make ready, to prepare. Imagine that. To make ready and prepare. And I understand a lot of people, especially if you've been raised in church, especially if you've been raised in a Pentecostal environment, you think all the work's done. You think... I mean, because like everybody's trained now, we've been trained that way. 
I need to worry about all the things that's going on in life. That ain't what I just read. Not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will. The word doeth means what? Prepare. To prepare. Well, didn't I prepare? Didn't I prepare when I got saved? No, you got qualified when you got saved. No, you didn't do any. Let, let me make this clear. When you got saved, you didn't prepare. I didn't prepare. We couldn't prepare. All we could say is, Lord, I'm a sinner. Would you please forgive me? You don't bring anything to the table when you get saved, friend, except for your sins. You can't do anything for God until you are saved. And all you can do then is prepare and bear fruits. Spend time with Him every day. Put oil in your lamp. Make sure you're ready. Long hunger for holiness and righteousness. Wait to see what God's going to do. Pray for the sick. Pray for those that are not saved. Pray for the world that don't have the information that you have and that you are getting today. That's what we need to be doing. And I'm telling you, I know that I am not doing what a lot of preachers are doing today. Oh, no doubt a lot of them are. Man, they're working it today. Can you all imagine the jumping jacks people are doing today? Can you imagine the other people on the other end of the spectrum that's just crying, oh, what are we going to do? Can you, can, can you imagine all this? All taking place in church when none of it glorifies God. If people care, if shepherd cares about sheep more than they do about their party or about winning or losing, they will prepare their sheep and tell their sheep, get your oil, keep your lamps burning. He's really coming back. Can't you see the signs? If you love your sheep, brothers, you will do that. Now this morning, you're about to see what I just showed you. In fact, guys, because I know because we've changed things up a little bit, if you could go ahead and just kind of just put the light on me so that they can make preparations on the stage. And I want, I want to pray. And before I pray, I want to tell everybody that if you didn't hear a word I just told you, I want you just to watch now. I want you to listen. I almost don't want to ask you to do this because I know a lot of people do it just either not to feel left out or make the preacher feel good. I don't want you to do neither one. But based on how things have been going, and I'm asking you for God not right now. I know what I'm going to do. I know the attitude I'm going to have. I know what I'm going to be focusing on. How many of you... And would you just pull the scoops down too? I don't know. I don't want them. Uh, to focus on anything but what I'm telling them. But how many of you, and I can't see your hands now, so there you go. Would say. I really. Before God, God is my witness. I really see. The signs, I see that we are on 
a hill in a car with no brakes. And I know that the Lord could come right now. See, this sermon could be what, if only two people were going to say, God, Lord, you've been dealing with me, but I just wouldn't do it. God, this morning, right now, I'm, I'm going to make it, oh, Lord, my aim, hallelujah, to live for you, oh, better than I've ever lived. And you might be right at that moment and the trumpet could sound. It might only be two people in here, you see. And at that moment, the trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ rise, and then all of us that are alive and remain will be called up together to meet him in the air. Hallelujah. If you see that that could happen any moment now, would you raise your hand? I can't see you, so I don't know. This is you and God. You're raising your hand as a covenant right now. Keep it up. God, I believe, I believe you could come back right now. I don't need another proof. I don't need anything. I, I, I've seen the attitude and mindset. I, I've seen how the world can be unified when they want to for corrupt purposes. I see God where it's going, and I, I can't even imagine just how far it is going. So I see you coming back, and this is a sign in the air, and only those that are serious, and I don't know who anybody is but me. God, this is my covenant that I'm going to start right now more than I've ever done before. I'm trimming my lamp. I'm not going to be foolish. I'm going to be prepared. I'm not going to try to only be prepared when I'm around my friends or not around my friends. God, I'm going to treat every second of my life like the trumpet could sound then. I'm going to do it, God. I do not want to think that I'm going to get in, but Lord, have an empty, empty, burned out lamp. So God, forgive me. I repent. We repent. We call on you in the name of Jesus. And we ask you, oh God, we ask you, Lord, to move on us and anoint us to move for you, Lord. Help us, oh God, because we are in this world. We're not of this world. You've overcome this world. So, God, we can walk triumphant through this world and in it. So, anoint every person that's listening today. And, God, we want to go out with such a loud voice of praise and reaping the harvest, Lord, that it drowns out every sound coming out of this earth right now in the name of Jesus.